Welcome, everybody, to episode 52 of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Owens, from the Average Jake Firefighter Blog. So, a little bit different format for the 52nd episode of the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Um, was contacted the other day by my good friend Jeff Morse from Florida, Naples, Florida. And uh, if you go all the way back to episode number 28... Uh, I interviewed him about his undertaking on the Brotherhood Ride, uh, something that he's been doing since 2007. It started as just a way to honor Florida fallen firefighters, uh, and now um, in the past, in the years past that, it has expanded to where they basically honor almost just about any fallen firefighter that wants to be honored on the ride or their families want to be honored on the ride and helped. And he contacted me the other day about a tremendous undertaking that they're taking for Brotherhood Ride 2021, uh, which if anybody understands what the year 2021 means, it's a pretty significant anniversary in the fire service and in the world in general, uh, especially here in America. So uh, I have an interview with him, a short, short interview with him about this year's ride and a little bit of a background, just a rehash on the Brotherhood Ride in general. Uh, And then we're going to talk about a topic that's going on right now uh, in a lot of departments, especially in my department, talking about promotional processes and when you should want to get promoted or when you think you should get promoted or when you should venture into that promotional process because it's different for everybody. And I kind of wanted to give my take on that. So again, a little bit different format, uh, a guest and a topic on the fire service, but uh, you know, we can't always stay the same. I want to keep you guys guessing a little bit. So let's not belabor the point anymore. Uh, Let's get straight to that interview with Jeff Morse from The Brotherhood Ride. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Really excited to have a return guest on the podcast. Uh, If you go back all the way to episode nine, you'll remember I have a great conversation with Jeff Morse from the Brotherhood Ride. And we talk about not only the Brotherhood Ride, but his background in the fire service, all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm bringing him back on the podcast today because he's got a special ride coming up for this year. And it's going to actually, all of my firefighter friends on the East Coast, in through Virginia, all of that area, uh, he's going to be coming through this part of the country. uh, And it's going to be culminating in a pretty special spot. Uh, for those of us in the fire service. And so we really wanted to get him on the podcast to talk about the Brotherhood Ride again and just talk about all the other things that are going on with this particular Brotherhood Ride and why it's so special, why it'll mean so much this year, how you can participate, uh, all of those things. So, Jeff, welcome back to the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Really excited to have you on today. Hey, Robbie, I'm really excited to be here, and I really appreciate your support uh, over the years and then especially this year with this year's ride. Um Big time fan and really appreciate you having me back on. Man, no worries at all on that. So, Jeff, <clears throat> we talked about in episode 28, like kind of the origins of the Brotherhood Ride. But for those that haven't listened to episode 28 or for new listeners of the podcast, kind of give us an overview of your fire service career and give us an overview of how you, how and why you started the Brotherhood Ride. All right. Yeah, thanks. Um, I started my fire service career in 1981. I started in a a small call volunteer fire department. I was still in high school, my senior year of high school. Uh, Listening to your podcast, and I think we come from the same same background sometimes. Uh, Young kid, couldn't wait to get into the fire station, and I was a volunteer for a while, and then moved down to Florida in 97 and got on a full-time job down here. Uh, Worked for a great fire department now, call your fire department, and uh, recently promoted to battalion chief, and... uh, I really, really uh, have always had the passion for the fire service. And then I've always had the passion for the brotherhood. Um, Sometimes people say brotherhood and it's a good word to use and they'll put it on a T-shirt. But when you are able to really experience what the brotherhood is about, is about helping out the families, helping out your brother when he's in need, being there for somebody. To me, that's what brotherhood is. And uh, it kind of culminated to what the Brotherhood Ride is today. Uh, I was a firefighter at the time uh, in my fire department, and we lost nine firefighters in Charleston, South Carolina at the uh, Super Sofa Furniture Fire. And uh, didn't know anybody at Charleston at the time. 
uh, being on the honor guard. Uh, I've been to several funerals, stood casket watch at funerals and always listened to people come up to the casket and to the families and always say those famous words, never forget. Um, I wanted some way to show these families, even though I didn't know anybody from Charleston at the time, that there would be groups of firefighters, groups of police officers that really cared about what they were experiencing and that wanted to show them what brotherhood looked like. Uh, went to my fire station the following day, talked to a couple guys on duty, and we decided that we would ride bicycles from Naples, Florida, up to Charleston, South Carolina. And that was the start of the Brotherhood ride. Uh, 18 of us left, and we actually arrived in Charleston <clears throat> on the one-year anniversary for the incident up there. Uh, for us, it was important to go a year later because I think anybody that's in the fire service or, or uh, first responder knows that after a tragic incident like that, there's an outpouring of support. But being with the families and talking with the families, that support kind of diminishes. And the more time that goes by, the more it diminishes, the less the guys come around. And this was just some way that they could see that there was first responders that literally had come across America that started in Naples to support them. And that was the very first brotherhood ride. Man, that, and I remember, I think, I remember telling you this, like, that's just an awesome, awesome, you know, tribute experience and, and so on. Just, you know, to start something like that from a grassroots effort, it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of, again, it, you know, not for a pun, but it, it takes brotherhood. It takes wanting to be part of the fire service. And, and it just, it's, I think it's tremendous. The, the work, and just the, the dedication you've shown, because I know it's not easy um, having to do the logistical side of it, the organization, all of that. And it's and, and to throw it out there, too, it's not just for fallen firefighters anymore. Right. It, you honor firefighters, police, first responders, canines. That, correct. That's correct. So on the very first ride, purposely called it the Brotherhood. And we wanted to involve all three agencies, police, fire, EMS. Uh, anybody that wanted to be on the bicycle with us, we said had to carry a badge and they had to represent either police, fire, EMS. And we did that purposely because we know and you know that at three o'clock in the morning, we're all brothers in the street. You know, politics aside, administrations aside, if I have a police officer next to me that's getting jammed up, I'm going to be there for him, just like he would be there for us. We are brothers in the street. So we purposely made all three agencies come together and, uh, it, as you said, it was supposed to be a one-time deal. We were never supposed to do this again. You know, we were doing it for the nine Charleston firefighters. We were doing it for their families. Uh, we came back. It was a great experience. We were able to meet with the families up there. And we literally returned all the equipment. We had borrowed everybody's equipment. Departments loaned us stuff. And we were going to just end it. It, it, was, it was done. Uh, and we weren't back here about a month. And we lost a Fort Myers police officer, Officer Andrew Widman. He was shot and killed in our downtown area and uh, Fort Myers Police Department had escorted us through the city when we did the original ride. So they actually contacted us and said, hey, can you honor our, our officer? Um, how can we say no? So again, the following year afterwards to support his family, uh, we rode 413 miles around the state of Florida. Andrew Whitman's badge number was 413. So I always tell everybody when we talk about the Brotherhood ride, it was nine firefighters that started it. And it was a police officer that made sure it would, became an annual tradition with us. So it truly it does represent brotherhood. Again, tremendous, tremendous. It's, it's you know, uh, again, just everything that you guys go through to, to put this on, to honor the fallen, you know, firefighters, EMS workers, you know, police canines, you know, <clears throat> everything that goes into it is just tremendous. Um, and and I, I can't I can't say enough positive things about it. And I hope I hope others check out you know, the Brotherhood Ride. So let's talk about Brotherhood Ride 2021, a pretty special ride. Not that any of the other ones haven't been special, but this one in particular, uh, it's going to be a tremendous undertaking for you, but it's also going to mean something to the entire emergency services community with what this ride is going to mean for everyone, where this ride's going, where it's culminating and, and all of those things. So talk about Brotherhood Ride 2021. Well, you're right. Brotherhood Ride 2021 is very different, especially for me personally. 
Um, mostly since I've been doing this, uh, like I say, we started our very first one in 08. Um, I never personally knew any of the first responders that we were honoring. We got to meet their families. I got to know them through their families after the incident, uh, talked about the incident with them. Um, but every year since we've been doing the Brotherhood Ride, I've always said that we'd always honor Florida's Fallen first. I mean, that's where it started. It's in our backyard. Um, last year, we honored 24 first responders from the state of Florida. This year, we're honoring 26 first responders just in the state of Florida that lost their lives last year. Guys that put their badge on and never came back to their families. And uh, unfortunately, this year, I'm honoring two guys that I know personally that I work with. Uh, one uh, succumbed. He's a Naples firefighter, uh, Tony Christensen. He, that's the neighboring department just south of where I work now. He uh, succumbed to COVID recently, uh, last year. And then we're, we're honoring Bonita Springs Lieutenant uh, Mark Weiss. Mark and I have done some amazing things. We, he's the, he was the president of the Fools organization down here. We put on group trainings together. Uh, he was a big supporter of the Brotherhood Ride. And unfortunately, I'm going to be riding for those two gentlemen. So that's going to be a huge um, difference for me with this ride. But again, it's we will always honor our Florida Fallen. So we will be honoring 26 first responders from the time we leave Naples, Florida, up to Jacksonville, Florida. So for the time we're in Florida, we're honoring our Florida Fallen like we always have. Once we reach Jacksonville, we will turn north and we'll go until we reach New York City. And we're going up there to commemorate the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and all those guys lost up there. We did this at the 10th anniversary mark. And this year we're going to do it at the 20th anniversary mark. And what we're going to do is we're going to remember those guys, all the first responders, police, fire, EMS that gave their lives on 9-11. But we're also going to honor everybody who has passed from 9-11 illnesses since then. And unfortunately, when you look at the numbers, it's more than the day that they lost <clears throat> on 9-11. So it'll take us 22 days of pedaling a bicycle. We'll cover 1,700 miles, and we'll be stopping 22 nights overnight along the way um, as we make our trek up to New York City to honor our brothers. Uh, it, wow, that's just uh, I can't even fathom. Um, you know, and I've run I've run marathons, right? But that's only 26 miles, and that feels like forever. Um, you guys are going to go and pedal 1,700 miles, 22, you, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like 22 days on a bike all the way to New York City to honor not just Florida fallen firefighters, but every every injured, every firefighter line of duty death in every police line of duty death in 9-11 and all the people that have been sick and injured since. That is just a uh, a remarkable, remarkable undertaking and a remarkable tribute. Um, talk about. I talked about spending uh, 22 nights, like overnights on the road. Talk about the logistics that go into a, a ride like that. Like, like I, I got, obviously you're going to have the people in the, on the bikes and everything, but what does it take to, to pull something like that off, like on the road planning, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, when you look at the bike ride, I always tell people when we talk about the bike ride, when I start pedaling, I get such a relief because all the planning's done. Whatever happens, happens at that point. But this brotherhood ride uh, between the fundraising aspect of it and the logistics aspect, especially to put a 22 day, our average ride is usually around seven to nine days on an annual basis. So this 22 day ride is like trying to do double the work. And uh, when you look at our team, uh, we're proud of the fact that nobody collects a paycheck from this. Like I say, my wife and I started this back in 07. We haven't uh, collected a paycheck. None of our board of directors and the type of person that comes on this ride to give up their vacation time from their family. I mean, we know as first responders, how precious that vacation time is Absolutely. But to give up that vacation time, to go ride a bicycle for somebody you don't even know, not your friend, not the guy, your coworker, not the neighbor down the street, but somebody that died in another city across the state or guys that died in nine 11. Um, our guys are type A personalities. Our support team is second to none. I say that every time. I tell them I'm not just kidding them. The work that I see our support team do to try to put us and 
make us in the right frame of mind to get the mission accomplished. Um, we are very fortunate that we are in conjunction with Elks Lodges across the country. And what we'd ask the Elks Lodge to do is to adopt us for the night. So you look at our team, we're going to pedal anywhere from 80 to 100 miles a day. Rain, wind, whatever conditions. We never take any time off unless there's lightning. And what we'll do is we'll stop. We won't just get in a van. We'll stop, wait till the lightning stops, and then we'll get back on the road. So we do every mile of this. We don't get in a van. We don't go to the next stop. But anyway, we get in after 80 to 100 miles a day, and we'll blow up air mattresses, and we'll sleep on the floor of the lodge because we're trying to save as much money as we can right. to get back to our fallen camp. <clears throat> and we'll eat whatever the Elks cook for us, which is usually a delicious meal. Uh, we'll sleep on our air mattresses and we'll eat whatever they cook for us for breakfast. And then we're on the road again for another 80 to 100 miles. I talk to most people. And I say, you know, you, you get a bunch of firemen, a bunch of policemen in a room and you tell them they're going to sleep on air mattresses for 22 days. And we're going to wake you up at six o'clock every morning. Most people won't even do that. No. Be on the edge after a week, they'll be at each other's throats. But these guys get up with a smile on their face. They have a mission in their heart, and we're pedaling the next day, no matter what happens. Man, that's that's incredible. So how can people give to the Brotherhood Ride? How can they participate? Is there still time to participate for this year's ride? How can they participate? How can they donate? You know, what, Give us all the things on social media, website, all that stuff. All right. So uh, unfortunately, the, the register, we're leaving on August 24th. Uh, excuse right. me, August 21st. So obviously um, our team is set in place. Gotcha. Uh, you can't participate this year. We have logistics people, our support people, and our riders are set. Um, our website is the best place to go. Brotherhoodride.com is the website. And we have a Facebook site that my wife is constantly updating. Uh, we have a lot of sponsors, different products out there that sponsor us and help us give us product to get through the ride. Um, and we uh, on our website, we have plenty of swag if you want to buy swag. And just remember that nobody gets a paycheck from this. Um, there's so many different. You, you, it seems like every time you turn on a website, there's so many different groups and so many people selling T-shirts and coins and whatever. And a lot of it's 20, 20th anniversary related. And that's great. If that's where the money goes to the families and goes to uh, organizations, that's great. Uh, just know that nobody collects a paycheck off of us. So if you want to support us, you can make a donation. Um, if you want to support us along the way, you know, we'd love to have you guys come out to our, especially our firefighter and our police officer brothers come out and cheer us on as we're coming through your city or as the <laughs> overnight stop is coming up and, and come out and meet us there. Um, the motivation we get from those stops and when we meet the families is what really motivates us to keep us going. Is the uh, on the website, is the route going to be published so that people know where you guys are going to be stopping or is that just going to be updates on Facebook? Yeah, it's going to be updates on Facebook. Um, unfortunately, due to security concerns, we don't like to publish the actual route. We no, absolutely. Let you, we'll let you know the um, overnight locations where we're going to be. So if any firefighter along the way uh, wants to come out and say hi to us or, you know, a department. Uh, we have contacted all the departments that we're coming in and out of, um, and I'm sure they're going to have like static displays set up for us at these overnight stops. That's uh, always a huge motivation for us. Well, Jeff, just incredible, incredible. Just again, I can't say enough undertaking tribute, all of those things. And it's just uh, says a lot to your character and your wife's character to continue to do something like this, you know, since 2007, uh, just continue to do something like this uh, year after year after year and pay tribute to fallen firefighters, police officers, EMS workers, uh, police canines, and just everyone in the emergency services who, as you said, carries a badge. Uh, any closing, any closing thoughts or anything like that for the listeners before we let you go? Uh, like, like you said, I mean, I really don't consider us anything special. I think in every department you have somebody with this kind of passion. I know you have some people in your department. I have some people in my department. And that's what's great about this bicycle ride is we get to go through, you know, the countryside and we get to meet these people. And we have passionate people in this job. I love this job since I was like, like I said, I was in high school. I've loved this job. I'm getting ready to retire soon. And I still love it. Um, I read a quote the other day that says, you don't have to do this job. 
but you get to do this job. And I think that's great because that, that says it right there. I mean, if you're not involved in this job, if, if you don't have what it takes to be in this job, uh, let somebody else have this job because there's plenty of guys out there looking for this. It's, it's, it's one of the best things I've ever been involved in, in the fire service and uh, the brotherhood. And when you let the brotherhood really show through, when the people are passionate about something, that's when you see with their true character. Man, couldn't have said it better myself. Jeff, thank you again for coming on. Thanks for continuing to just do the Brotherhood Ride. I, mean, I Again, I think it's tremendous. Everybody, make sure you go to brotherhoodride.com. Click that donate button. I'm on the website right now. Click that donate button. Uh, you know, support, uh, you know, buy a T-shirt to do something, you know, support the Brotherhood Ride every year, but especially on a tremendous anniversary that we have of 9-11, the 20th anniversary. And uh, go back and listen to episode 28 so that you can hear even more detail about Jeff and all the stuff that he's done. This was a little bit shorter uh, because of that. But, uh, Jeff, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's been great. Thank you. I really appreciate you and all the people out there that listen to you to uh, spread the word. Absolutely. And everybody stay tuned for some other words from the Average Jake. What a tremendous interview with uh, Jeff Morse from the Brotherhood Ride. I mean, it's just you can feel his passion. You can feel everything that he that he talks about with the ride, and it just it bleeds over into the podcast. Like it's a, it's an audible medium, but man, like how can you how can you not? just be inspired and passionate with everything that they're going to do, especially this year uh, with the 2021 Brotherhood Ride. But, man, just a tremendous, tremendous individual and undertaking, like everything under the sun that you can think of. Like that guy, I, you know, so I want everyone to go to thebrotherhoodride.com. Make sure that you're going out there and, and supporting these guys. Buy a T-shirt, hit the donate button, like all that. Go see them on their route. Follow them on Facebook so you can see where they're stopping for the night. And if it's close to you, just go tell them you appreciate them. Um, you know, bring them a bottle of water or something, you know, uh, just anything that you can do to support these guys, I think is a tremendous thing. Uh, with that being said, uh, you know, again, kind of a different format. Uh, wanted to throw another topic on this podcast and talking about some promotional process stuff. And as I do with everything else, wanted to talk about, you know, start it off with a quote. Wanted to start it off with uh, a quote from Dan Gable, which I thought was very uh, poignant because we're right in the middle of Olympic season, right? Like we're right in the middle of the Olympics, specifically Olympic wrestling has been going on. And uh, just, I mean, amazing, amazing things that are happening. Uh, Tamara Mensa Stock winning a gold medal. Just phenomenal, phenomenal athlete and person. Uh, just really, really, really great. And, like, wrestling's a big deal in my household. Grew up wrestling. My brother wrestled. Sister wrestled. My father coached us forever. And, uh, you know, I've run a youth wrestling program. My kids wrestle. My wife's been a director of the youth wrestling program. Uh, just wrestling's a big deal here. My nephews wrestle. Uh, hopefully my niece will wrestle one day. But uh, you know what I mean? Like just, just tremendous, tremendous stuff when it comes to wrestling. And uh, But so I wanted to start it off with a quote from Dan Gable. Gold medals aren't really made of gold. They're made of sweat, determination, and a hard-to-find alloy called guts. And I think that's poignant, not because we're in the middle of Olympic season. And, and if you don't know who Dan Gable is, I encourage you to go Google it. The guy's a beast. He's one of the best wrestlers that's ever walked the face of the earth. Not just American wrestler, but one of the best wrestlers that's ever walked the face of the earth. The guy's phenomenal. And then after he was a wrestler, he went on to coach the University of Iowa for a million, and not a million, I'm over-exaggerating, but they, they were the top wrestling program in the country for decades, and they kind of still are, like, like pretty much the top wrestling programs in the country these days are the University of Iowa, uh, the University of Penn State, and uh, University of Oklahoma State, all with legends coaching them. Dang, uh, currently with Iowa, uh, Ter Tom and Terry Brands, the Brands brothers, uh, Olympians, Cale Sanderson at Penn State, Olympian, and John Smith at, uh, at Oklahoma State, Olympian, and again, legend. Like, there's a... There's a contest of like who's the best American wrestler of all time, John Smith or Dan Gable. So, but anyway, I kind of feel that that correlates correlates to the fire service because that's what promotional processes are kind of made of too. They take sweat and determination and sweat equity and and guts. They take courage 
And so it's important to, to when we talk about this promotional process stuff, because it's promotional season in my fire department. Like we're going through interviews now. Uh, and then once these interviews are done, they're immediately going back into another promotional process. We'll be doing testing again and interviews like for the next promotional process. So there's a lot of things going on and like people are deciding, do I apply? Do I apply again if I didn't get it? Like, you know, and I think it's all up to the individual and where you are in your career. But I wanted to give some of my perspective on this promotional process thing because I have I've had some things in the promotional process that have been good, have been bad, um, and things that have made you scratch your head, things that, you know, are really uh, – you know, just the, that I feel like I want to share. I have something to, to say about it. And that's pretty much what this whole podcast is about. Like, I don't do content unless I feel like I have something to say. Um, so let's talk about the beginning stages of a, of a promotional process. Like, and this is even before, this is even before you, your, your department puts out, like, hey, we're, we're promoting, like, we got a promotional process going on, uh, before they put the reading list out, before they do any of that, right? And I know departments are bit different everywhere, uh, but a little bit of background, like, my department, we're not civil service, uh, we're a right-to-work state, so our promotional processes essentially look like they put out the reading list, uh, you know, an applications and reading list uh, a couple months before the written test. You'll go through a written test, um, which is all like departmental knowledge and then basic fire service knowledge. Um, you know, I think every department in the country, most of them use the John Norman Company Officer book. We have a couple management books in there, um, and and you're tested on that. It's about 100 questions, um, and then some general knowledge stuff. Um, and then if you do well enough on that, you go into a uh, assessment center where they assess your ability to handle personnel problems, citizen interactions, time management, tactical issues. And it's different for every level, uh, lieutenant, captain, and battalion. Um, and after battalion chief, we pretty much just do interviews. There's no like – you know, there's really no – assessments for after that is pretty much at that point they've tested you and assessed you assessed you three times uh going into like that assistant chief deputy chief level so essentially it's just like who do we think's the right guy um after that uh you'll go to a panel interview and based on the the, the scores from all those things and then of course the fire chief looks at it and and if there's always a a, the CEO gets to pick who he wants, right? Like the fire chief's the CEO of your of your fire department, so he gets to pick who he wants to promote. And basically, they talk about it. Uh, you know, I know our fire chief. He looks at letters of reference. He might even call some people and say, "Hey, tell me about this guy that maybe he's on the fence about." And then he'll uh, and then he'll make his promotions. Um, but it all starts even before that, right? Like it starts with what you want to accomplish in your career. Where are you trying to go? And are you setting yourself up for that? If you want to be the fire chief, right? Like if you want to be the fire chief, you're never going to get there in today's times with an associate's degree. It's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen unless you have a, a wide fire service experience. It's not going to happen unless you have a wide educational experience. I mean, you see nowadays, like there's master's degrees being required before you can even apply for certain chief jobs, not even fire chief jobs, like deputy chief and, and things of that nature, like are wanting master's degrees. Some fire departments are wanting doctorates or at least graduation from the executive fire officer academy at the uh, executive fire Fire officer program at the National Fire Academy. So are you setting yourself up for that? You have to sit down and really talk about what your goals are as far as your career. Me, myself, I always knew I wanted to be a company officer. I always knew that promotion was something that I had in mind. Promotion was something that I wanted to accomplish in my career. Um, the goal I set for myself years ago was that I wanted to retire as a battalion chief. That's what I wanted to retire as. Um, I want to go no further than that. Uh, being the chief of a department isn't for me. Being a deputy chief of a department isn't for me. Being the assistant chief of a fire department is not for me. A battalion chief, to me, is even if you're an administrative battalion chief, that's where you start. You still have a little bit of a connection to the people. 
any higher than that, you start, in my opinion, you start losing losing a connection to the people out there. Like, and I'm not just talking about the firefighters. I'm talking about like the citizens as well. I feel like they're most of those jobs, assistant chiefs and higher, are 95 percent administrative. And they and you lose connection with what a lot of us signed up for. And again, that's and that's different for everybody. Right. Like for me, that's what I see in my fire department. That's what I see when I go around the country and do teaching and take classes that the guys that are at that level, they lose connection with the people we serve and they lose connection with the mission a little bit. And that's not a negative or a slight. That's just the nature of it. Right. You become more of a political position. You're dealing more in policy. You're dealing more with budgetary restraints. And so you do get a little bit dis- connected. And that's not what I want for myself. But what do you want for yourself? What do you want for yourself? And are you setting yourself up for it? Again, there's nothing wrong with a community college uh, education, but you're not going to be the fire chief these days with a community college education. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen for you. Okay. It's, you're not going to be the fire chief if you don't try to go to the EFO program or your in-state fire chief uh, officer and executive officer programs. You're probably not going to be the fire chief if you've never done administrative assignments. If you've never done budgeting, if you've never run a special shop, like, uh, you know, or done something other than just go to work every day, you're not going to be the fire chief. It's not going to happen. You're probably not even going to be the deputy chief, right? Like, that's just the way that that this works. The the higher you go, you have to have a more broad experience level. Uh, and it, a lot of that means administrative work. Uh, a lot of that means some of the stuff that we do find a little bit distasteful. Um, I know for me that I haven't avoided an administrative assignment. It's just one of the things that I just haven't done. I've actually applied for a few administrative assignments internally and just was never selected for whatever reason. And that's okay. Um, but uh, but I also know that I don't want to be the fire chief, so I'm okay with it. Uh, but for, but that's the real key. So what I think you need to sit down, you need to really talk about where you're going and it's not too late to do this, right? Like you might be retiring in five years. You can still have a plan of where you want to go in five years, right? Like you can have a plan on where you want to go, where you want to be. But if you're just getting on the job, like you need to start setting yourself up for that, right? You need to start setting yourself up for, I want to be a Lieutenant. Okay. That starts today. Even with the one year on, and I'm not saying that you need to be taking the promotional process before you're ready, right? Like, I really don't think that, um, I think one of the best things we did in our fire department was you had to be an acting company officer for two years before you can take the promotional exam for lieutenant, which at the minimum, again, I honestly think that's one of the best things that we ever did was, uh, was make that requirement that you can't take the promotional exam until you have two years of acting officers, which means if you wait to get your acting, you'll, uh, you'll, you may wait eight years before you can take the promotional exam if you wait till six years. So I think that's a, that's really, really, really good stuff. Um, but again, they used to say you can't get to California unless you got a map. Well, these days, of course, we use GPS, right? Use our phone. So sit down and make your GPS, right? Put out your coordinates and figure out how you're going to get where you want to go uh, and what that looks like from a professional development standpoint, from an educational standpoint, from even an operational standpoint, right? Like what are the assignments in your department that are going to prepare you for the level that you want to get to? You're not going to be ready to be a lieutenant if you're at the slowest running company. You're just not. You're not going to get the exposure. You're not going to be ready to be a battalion chief or anything like that if you don't make those things happen. So that's step number one is not that this is a list of steps. But step number one, figure out where you're trying to go. This kind of this next thing kind of piggybacks on to to that is find out what your department values, especially for the level that you're trying to achieve, right? And that goes back to setting setting yourself up for it, right? Like I know, okay, this is gonna sound negative, right? But I'm not meaning it to be negative, right? Like I'm just meaning it to be real. It's a real thing. I know that at a certain level. My department no longer values if I can force a door or not. Like, they don't care. They don't care. Uh, they don't care if I know how to vent a roof at a certain level. Like, at the level I'm at now, they still care about that kind of stuff, right? Like, they still care about that stuff. They want me to transition more to an administrative role in the role that I'm in. Um, but they still do know that I have to go ride a fire truck every once in a while. And, and I have to be operationally sound and things. But I can tell you, at the next level, at that battalion level, at the assistant chief level, they don't care if that guy knows how to vent a roof. They don't care. They don't care. So what does your department value? 
at what level does your department no longer value that you're really good in the front right seat or you're really good at stretching a hose line? At what point do they start to value other skills that you may have? Administrative skills, uh, managerial skills, um, even investigative skills, right? Like we have fire marshal positions. We have uh, inter- an internal affairs division. Like, are you good at that? And that's cool. Like, if you are, like, we have to do it all, right? Like, and it's okay if, if that's not your thing, right? That's okay if it's not your thing. You have to be okay with where you end up. Um, but if you want to end up at that chief of department level or something like that, you have to figure out what the department looks for. Like, what even that? What is your 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 uh, your city, your town, your county value, right? Like, what is it? Like, if you want to go be, you know, like I know for where I work, man, fiscal responsibility is one of the absolute top things for an administrator in the uh, county that I work for. Uh, you have to be fiscally accountable and fiscally responsible. So if you want to be the fire chief, then man, you got you got to start figuring out how to do that, right? Like, and that and that maybe doesn't have to start today, but you know, as you become a company officer, and you just decide that you know what, you feel like you really have a good shot of being the deputy chief or the fire chief. Man, you need to get a hold of some of those resources that can help you. You need to go talk to the account managers in your department. You need to go get on the budget committee if they have one. Go to the county uh, board of supervisor or city father meetings, and and sit in there when they talk about budgets. Like that's how you'll get that experience. Um, start making some of those relationships and political connections that are going to help you if you ever get to that level. Um, those are important, important things. So just you know, as part of figuring out where you want to go, you also have to and, and how you're setting yourself up to get there. You've got to figure out what your department values. And here is one of the big things, and this is something that where I have screwed up in the past. Okay, like I have screwed up in the past. And, uh, I did it right. I've done it wrong. And, you know, so I'm, I want to share those things with you. Uh, you have to really sit down and talk about why you want to take this next step, because let me give you the real deal of it. Okay, folks, let me give you the real deal of what being a company officer really is, right? Like you think, especially like being a lieutenant, being, you know, riding the right front seat of the rig. It's awesome. It's one of the most favorite things that I do in the fire service. I like I like riding the right front seat. I like making decisions. I like being challenged to make good tactical decisions on the fire ground. That's one of the things that gets me up and motivated every morning, right? Like it makes me keep going to conferences and going to classes and reading and all those things, right? Like it gets my blood pumping. I'm getting pumped up about it right now talking about it. But it's also one of those things where you have to deal with people. You have to deal with difficult employees. You have to deal with difficult situations that make you uncomfortable. I've said this before. I had every bit of fire service knowledge. Like, I was ready to sit in that right front seat and make decisions on the fire ground. I was ready to run a shift. I was ready to train people. I wasn't ready for a grown man to sit across from me and cry. I wasn't ready for that. None of the officer classes, I've got the highest level of officer certification you can get in the state of Virginia. Uh, I have fire officer level four from the Virginia Department of Fire Programs. I went. I have gone through our chief, the Virginia uh, Fire Chief's Chief Officer Academy. I went through the National Fire Academy. Even through all those things that I had, even through all those things that I've used, even through all those things, those programs, the Fire Officer Academy, the Chief Officer Academy, all of those things, no matter what, None of those things prepared me for a grown person sitting across from me crying. Like, none of it. None of it prepared me for that. Absolutely none of it. So what I'm saying is you have to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, right? Like, you're going to – leadership's dirty. My friend Ben Martin from Embrace the Resistance and the Fireground Commander talk about it all the time. It's a dirty, dirty thing. It's a dirty process. You're going to have people challenge you. You're going to have people get in your face. You're going to have people lie to you. You're going to have people like you're going to have people do things that you never thought happened. You're going to have to deal with people that break the law that are under your charge. You're going to come home from work exhausted, physically exhausted, mentally exhausted from everything. So you really have to dig down deep of why you're doing this, okay? Why you're doing it. I know for me, when I took that promotion, promotional process to lieutenant, 
I did it because I wanted to make a difference. I believed in the in the fire department that I was working for. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to be to build good firefighters and potentially good officers. And I wanted to do it from the from a fire station. I wanted to do it in operations. That's what I'm passionate about and that's what I wanted to do. That's where I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to go. And that's, that's, that's really it, right? Like that's the, and to me, that was the right reasons, right? Like I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to take that challenge. I wanted to take that challenge and I wanted it to, to, to mean something. I wanted it to just, you know, to be pure, to be as pure as everything I thought. And and I was a little bit unprepared to be quite honest with you, because I thought that it was all about the fire ground and it wasn't, it was a lot about people stuff. And I didn't have a lot of experience with people stuff. I went and got it, Right. Like, you know, and again, sometimes the assessment doesn't doesn't bring that out. Right. Like if you follow in the assessment, if you follow department policy, a lot of times you're good. But following department policy doesn't always cut it in the real world. Right. Like following department policy uh, doesn't always doesn't always work in the firehouse, right? Like, like for all intensive purposes, the guy sitting across from me crying, he had violated some policy or at least needed some corrective action, right? He, he needed that, but disciplining him wasn't going to work because he finally opened up to me and told me all the things that were going on and disciplining him wasn't going to work. That was not going to correct the behavior. Correcting the behavior was going to be standing up for him at that point in time, getting him resources, Right? That's leadership. Any any monkey can follow uh, just a, a policy book, right? But it's not all about that. And that's the type of guy I wanted to be. I wanted to be somebody who could help. I wanted to be somebody who could do the things that needed to be done to take care of the people in the firehouse. Uh, you know, and sometimes that means correcting their actions, right, through discipline. But some, but a lot of times, what that means is getting really to know them. And that's what I wanted out of being a lieutenant. And that's why I took the promotional process. And that's why I pushed so hard and studied so hard. I went into what they call the pit of promotion, as uh, Ryan Pennington calls it. So, um, you know, and studied and studied and studied my butt off. And so those were the right reasons, right? And so that was my why. But then four years later, I've been at the same firehouse and I'm ready to do something different, right? Like, and I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I've gone through the, 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 uh, I've gone through the National Fire Academy stuff. I've done, you know, and I'm like, what is my next thing, right? I've done this. I've been at this firehouse. I've been here for four years. We've built an awesome team, and now I feel like I need to go do something else. Maybe that's a different firehouse. Like I started shopping myself around, you know, at different firehouses to different uh, to different people. And the captain's promotional exam comes up. And at first... I don't think I'm going to do it. I've only been a lieutenant for four years. I've only been a lieutenant for four years. Being a captain's a whole lot different thing. Captain in our what, what captain used to be in our fire department was that you ran a firehouse, uh, you acted up on the battalion car, like all that stuff, right? Like it, it, it changed your role a little bit. Like you, you know, you manage specialty teams. Like you could be assigned to more administrative roles too. And at first, I was. Like, nah, not for me. Not going to do it. Don't want to do it. And then I saw the people that were applying. I saw a group of people that, not all of them, because I got promoted with a group of them that were that are pretty phenomenal. But some of them, I was like, no way. Can't work for that guy. Can't work for that guy if he gets promoted. No way, no how, can't do it. I was one of the last people to turn in their application for captain. Go take the test, do well in the test, do well in the assessment, get the interview, get promoted first first round, like or second round, excuse me. First round they promoted two guys and then they promoted like five more of us two months later because of vacancies. So pretty much like within within a couple of months of taking the, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a captain now. And let me tell you, complete wrong reason to take a promotional test, complete wrong reason to take a promotional test, because I can tell you that that role has been one of the most unfulfilling roles I've had in my fire service career. 
and I'm just being honest, it was a little bit disconnected, and especially now the department has changed it uh, so much, it feels very disconnected. Um, I don't feel like I'm a part of a team as much as I used to, which I really enjoyed. Um, And to be honest with you, like I said, I took it because I took it because I didn't respect the people that were taking the, the process. I didn't respect the people that were in the process. The only thing that I did right in that was that I was happy being a lieutenant. And so if I hadn't gotten promoted, I would have still been happy. Right, like I do think that you should take your promotional exam from a place of happiness, not a place of pissed off. Okay, because if you get, because if if you're happy and doing what you're doing, if you really, really, really are truly happy, like you're not lying to yourself, and you really, really are truly happy with it, then if you don't get it, you'll still be happy. You'd be like, okay, well, yeah, I didn't get promoted to lieutenant, but I'm happy, or I didn't get promoted to captain, but I'm happy. But if you take it from a place that you're pissed off. And you don't get it, guess what's going to happen when you don't get it? You're going to be even more pissed off. So I do believe in taking promotional processes when you're happy, not when you're angry. But that's the only right thing that I did. I didn't take it because I really wanted to be a captain. I didn't take it because I really wanted to do X. I didn't take it because I wanted to move the organization forward. I didn't take it because uh, of any other. I did it because it's like, can't work for that guy. And as part of, you know, karma's karma's a you know what. That's been, you know, my experience at this level hasn't been very great, to be quite honest with you. It hasn't been very great, to be quite honest with you. Um, And then with the changes that are overtaken in the fire department that I work for, um, you know, it has even been a, a, it's it's taken a a not so enjoyable experience and and made it and made it worse. There are some good things about it. Don't get me wrong. Um, I've definitely gotten to I've gotten to be where some action is, which I don't mind that at all. Um, And I've gotten to to grow a little bit, but overall, the experience just hasn't been fun. It hasn't been great. So, with that being said, why are you taking the promotional exam? Is it because you hate your boss? If you hate your boss, I don't think that's a good reason. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to figure out that maybe some of the reasons you hate your boss are shit that you have to do now. That's what people don't forget. That's what people don't get is that when you take that step, you're now more accountable. And maybe your boss is doing some things for a reason that you don't even understand because you can't see his perspective until you're sitting up at his level. So you hate your boss? Hate your fire department? Do you hate, you know, do you not respect the people that have been getting promoted? Those are all reasons not to take the exam. Because guess what? It ain't about you. It's not about you. It's not about, it's not about achieving that spot for you. Because guess what? You have to work harder in that spot. You have to work harder in that spot. You have people that are responsible, that you're responsible for. Now you're accountable for not just you anymore. You're accountable for a shift, a crew, maybe even a whole firehouse. You have to work three times harder. A lot of people get that thing and they're like, whew, I've made it. Now, you know, like, no, that when you made, like when you walk up that stage and get that badge, now the work really begins. Now it's intense. Now it's uh it's where the rubber really meets the road. So it's not a it's not about you. So if you're taking that pr- promotional process about for yourself, man, I think you're messing up. I think you're going to have a not-so-good experience. I've lived it, right? I've taken that promotional step for the wrong reasons. Flash forward to today, I entered our battalion chief promotional process a year ago, and I've been interviewed two or three times, and so far I haven't been selected. But I entered this promotional process for a reason. I entered this promotional process for a reason. I entered this promotional process for, in my opinion, the right reasons. I feel that there is a gap forming in our fire department with operational expertise. The focus has been on administrative tasks and rightfully so, by the way, because we were extremely undermanned 
administratively. Like a fire department as large as the one that I work for to have as little administrative staff as we had was pretty like how we made the bills get paid. I'll never understand. Uh, you know, we just had some phenomenal people doing it because, because they were overworked, under budgeted, underpaid, under, I mean, like all of that, like everything. And they still, we still had, you know, had toilet paper in the firehouses. We still like the lights kept on, you know, like still were able to purchase rigs, like all this. So the people that were doing it were, were pretty good people, right? They were actually amazing people. But we were woefully, woefully, woefully understaffed administratively. But like everything else, the pendulum then swung to that where that's all we focused on. And we've started to see a drop in operational expertise on the fire ground, like people that can teach it, people that can run fire grounds well, um, you know, all of those things. And so that's why I got in this promotional process because I feel that that's where I'm good and I can move the organization forward operationally, tactically, you know, training wise, mentorship wise for company officers, all of those things. That's why I got in this promotional process. Now, I may not get picked and that's okay, but I get, I did it for the right reasons. And I'll be honest with you. If I don't get picked, I don't know if I'll get in the next one just because it may not be the right time. Maybe there's no flavor for that, but I saw a gap and you have to put your money where your mouth is. If you don't weigh in, you don't get to wrestle. Another wrestling quote. So you have to put yourself out there in order to do it. Um, so again, find out what your department values. Find out what you're doing to set yourself up to get there. Figure out what your goals are. And really, the biggest thing is why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? And I know maybe this took a different direction than what some of you guys, some of you guys were like maybe hoping for the, hey, when someone prevent, pre, pre, uh, presents you with this tactical problem, do X. And they're like, nah, that's not what this was about. This was about more of the, the what's inside the heart and the head versus what comes out of the mouth during the assessment, right? Like this isn't like tips, but uh, this is to really sit down and figure out why you're trying to get promoted. Maybe the best spot for you is the driver of engine number one. Maybe that's where you make the greatest impact. There's nothing wrong with that. Guess what? It's a big, big fire service. We have to have people that do everything. We really do. We have to have people that are good. And, and again, th that's not me, right? Like I, I feel like I can learn anything, but my passion is not for budgeting. My passion is not for spreadsheets. My passion is not for human resource work. My passion is for operations, tactics. That's what I'm super passionate about. That's why I go to all these conferences and, and, and read all the things that I read. But we got to have people that do all that other stuff. I don't get a nice roof over my head at the firehouse or my vehicle doesn't work right or you know, list of other things. If we don't have those people, people that aren't focused on that, that aren't, that are passionate about it. Like there are people that are passionate about, uh, I mean, we have people that work in our data management, they're civilians, but they're passionate about data for first responders. Like they want to use data collection to help us and they're freaking passionate about it. And by the way, they're freaking awesome at it, but that's not me and it may not be you, right? It may not be you, but find out what that is for you. Find out what that is for you. Find out you know, what your role is. Find out where you're trying to go. Find out what you really, really, really want to accomplish in, this, in your career. And that's where you make the – and that's where you go. That's where you go. Set yourself up for it. Promote when it's time for you to promote. Don't promote just for the bars because let me tell you something. The check that they give you and the little gold badge and stuff, that means absolutely nothing at the end of the day. I'm telling you. That means absolutely nothing where it really counts, okay? People don't respect you just because you have those, you know, they were uh, just because you have those insignia and that bad, that gold badge. They don't. It, 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 they don't. We've, we've had people retire that no one came to their retirement party because everyone hated them. They only respected them because of their rank, not because of the person that they were, right? And that, guess what? The day you retire, that shit goes away. The day you retire, that shit goes away. So you might have it for a little while, and guess what? It's just like in Band of Brothers where uh, Major Winters 
tells the guy, we respect the rank, not the man, or we salute the rank, not the man. And that's what it is. People only liked some of these guys that retired recently because of the rank they held. They certainly, and they only respected them because of the rank they held. They didn't respect them as people. You know, so I can tell you that that shit doesn't last. It doesn't last. And guess what? It doesn't matter at home. Guess who you don't outrank at home? Your family. Oh, you're the captain at work, but you're the, you might as well be the private here. Okay. Like it doesn't matter. Right. So that's not the reason to do it. The reason to do it is because you feel like you can make a difference. You feel like you can move your organization or your fire department forward. Okay. You feel like you can move it forward. You feel like you can help. You feel like you can do good things. So sit down and talk about all of those stuff. Sit down and write that stuff out. Sit down and write those things down. Figure out how you're going to get there. Set yourself up for it. And then go do it. Put it to action. Put it to action. And as I tell my kids all the time, if you say it, your actions have to meet your words. Don't tell me you want to be an NCAA wrestling champion if you don't want to practice more than two days a week. That shit isn't going to happen. Same thing. Don't tell me you want to be a lieutenant if you ain't going to study, you ain't going to go buy the books. You're not going to act like a lieutenant before you are one. That's a big key. You got to act like you're in your position that you want to go get. So don't tell me that you want to be a lieutenant of Catherine or the fire chief if you're not doing the shit to get there. Your action has to meet your words. And I feel like that's a good place to end it for today. However, I do have some uh, people that I need to thank. Last episode, of course, thanked my family. Um, there are tremendous, tremendous supports for me. Um, but I couldn't do what I do without, of course, my family, but just some great, great people, great, great organizations, great, great just, you know, companies, mentors, all of those things. And uh, it starts with Taylor's Tins. Taylor's Tins makes leather, uh, excuse me, metal. They don't make leather. They don't make nothing leather. Uh, they make metal helmet fronts for fire helmets. But guess what? They don't make just le- uh, metal helmet fronts for, for helmets. They make metal everything. I've got a metal pump card from them. I've got a metal, uh, there's, they make metal playing cards. They make luggage tags. They make everything. They make locker tags. They make you know, accountability tags. They make everything. Go to taylorstins.com. Let them know that you heard it about it from the Average Jake Firefighter podcast. And they're going to give them some ideas, and they're going to show you what they can make. They basically can make anything for you. They're going to send you custom art. They're not, it's not drop-down menus. It's not all that kind of stuff. You tell them what you're thinking about, and they're going to send you some art, some custom stuff, and then they're going to get to work on it. So taylorstins.com, stop burning up leathers, start wearing Taylor's Tins. Of course, Vanguard Safety Wear. Vanguard Safety Wear, the makers of the MK1 Fire Glove. Those things are made for work. I wore a pair of MK1. We had a car fire the other day. And man, those MK1 Ultras were out freaking standing. They get better every, every, every time. They make the MK1, the MK1 Ultras, the Squad 1 Rescue Glove. Go to VanguardSafetyWear.com or DingusFire.com and get you a pair of those gloves, and I can tell you, you might as well go ahead and buy two because when they wear out, you're going to want to get another pair. So go ahead and buy two. Tell them Average Jake sent you. Vanguard Safety Wear, made for work. Another great company, tacticalworksheet.com, idlhtechnology.com. They make outstanding command boards. I use one. I was just had a working fire uh, two, three weeks ago when I was riding up on the battalion car. Pulled out my my uh, steering wheel desk with my IDLH technology tactical worksheet. Uh, man, it was awesome. It's it's laid out exactly the way that my brain works. It's one of the best command boards I've ever ever seen, ever ever used. I love using it. It's great. It's durable. Because, um, I mean, it rides around in the back of the battalion car when I'm using it or the EMS supervisor car when I'm using it, and it gets beaten up. It's fallen out of the car before. It's still awesome. They also make mini ones, and i tell you what, when you talk about durability, the mini command board that I have, the mini tactical worksheet, I carry it in the inside pocket of my gear, right, like that little inside pocket, like in that in that layer, and it's been beat up. It's been sweat on, It's been and it's still, I pulled it out the other day to use on an incident, and it was still good to go. It was still good to go. It was awesome. So, again, 
idlhtechnology.com, tacticalworksheet.com. Of course, let them know you got it here from the Average Jake Firefighter Podcast. Let them know you heard about it. And lastly, Fire Ground Commander Conference. One of my biggest and most passionate things that I do in the fire service, founded by my good friend Ben Martin from EmbraceTheResistance.com. A tremendous, tremendous conference for everyone out there. We are going to be back in Henrico County, Virginia. We usually try to do it in March, but because of COVID, because of everything, uh, you know, we weren't able to get it done this year in March. We had to bump it. We were going to try to do August, and then we had to bump it again because of uh, because of COVID. You know, it's uh, just how it is, right? Like, it's just how it is. Um, you know, with the way we are nowadays in COVID, but I can tell you that we're going to bump it. We bumped it from August again. Now we bumped it back to October, but we are going to do it. It is go for launch October 25th to the 27th, 2021 Henrico Theater, Highland Springs, Virginia. Uh, it is going to be off the chain. I'm telling you, it's the biggest conference we've ever attempted to do. It's the biggest one we've ever attempted to do. This is our fourth year of putting on conferences uh, here at the Henrico Theater. It's a great venue. It's a historic old theater in an old part of Henrico County where we all work. And it is a great venue. Good, good, uh, like, it, it, there's hardly any other venue in the world that has a stage like this. Uh, I mean, and just, the, it just it's phenomenal, phenomenal uh you know, just phenomenal, phenomenal venue. Um, it's a really, really great place to learn. It's in the east end of Henrico County. There's hotels. There's a few restaurants. We're going to have a social on Monday. And let me run down this lineup for you. Let me run down this lineup for you. Mark Von Appen, James Johnson and William Knight, Ben Schultz, Ryan Pennington, Eric Wheaton, Les Baker, Jim Kenny, Dan Shaw, and Doug Mitchell. If that's not FDIC quality instruction for not even close to the price you pay for FDIC, I don't know what is. Ten speakers, three days, lunch provided each day, snacks, drinks, coffee, and a social on Monday night that we're getting ready to announce. We're putting the details together, um, and we're getting a flyer out there, uh, a social on Monday night. For one hundred and seventy-five dollars, if you can find a better deal in the country, let me know because I can tell you I don't know of any other conference in the country that is doing everything that we do with the the quality of speaker, the amount of speakers, the lunch, the snacks, the venue, the social swag. All that stuff, all the things you're going to get to do. We have raffles to get to win prizes to go to other conferences, to win prizes to get other swag, all of those things. I don't know of any other conference in the country for $175 you're getting the value that we provide you. I feel that we're the best deal or the best value in the country. And so make sure that you join us October 25th through the 27th, 2021 at the Henrico Theater, 305 East Nine Mile Road, Highland Springs, Virginia. You can sign up at EmbraceTheResistance.com, go to the Conference tab, and then you'll see all the different options for you to sign up. I can tell you right now, we are approaching a sellout. We usually get a really big push the last couple months before we go. We're in August right now. Um, Usually, normally in March, uh, we would see a big rush for... uh, we would see a big rush for registrations in January when we used to do it in March. So I'm expecting come September, like end of this month, early September, man, we are going to see a rush and those last couple spots are going to be gone. So don't wait. There's only about 70 spots left, 80 spots, 70 spots, something like that. And it'll be, it'll be sold out. So don't miss your opportunity to come listen to those great speakers. I know that's your, something that you've had canceled. I know something in the pandemic has canceled something for you, so make up for it here. Spend $175 to come listen to 10 speakers that you would see at FDIC or Firehouse Expo or Firemanship or County Fire Tactics. Come see all of these great, great, great speakers. Have some fellowship with some Central Virginia brothers and brothers coming from all over the the the, uh, the country. We've got people coming from Florida. We've got people coming from the Midwest, the Northeast, like everywhere. 
we've had people come from Texas before. I mean, it, it, there's people coming from all over the country to Henrico County, Virginia, to the Henrico Theater for this tremendous, tremendous conference. Biggest conference we've ever done. Oh, by the way, by coming to the conference, guaranteed you'll get a head start on signing up for the 2022 Fireground Commander Conference. So don't delay. Embrace the resistance.com. Fireground Commander Conference, October 25th through the 27th, 2021. And lastly, you know what we do? Make sure you're spending one hour a day in the library reading something about our job, watch YouTube videos, practice size ups, all those things. Make sure you're spending one hour a day doing some sort of hands on training putting your hands on the tools that we need to do our job. And make sure you're spending one hour a day doing some sort of physical fitness. You do that, you become a pretty phenomenal firefighter. I guarantee it. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Out.